Hey, it's good to be back with you again. Thanks for tuning in with us and uh, blessings to you. Uh, if you can, get your Bible, your device, find Jeremiah 32, 27, if you will. That's going to be the verse we have today. Let me read it to you. It says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? Let, let's pray together. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. <clears throat> help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit, any word of knowledge you give to me. Uh, to speak to a person that's listening or watching. Lord, if you prompted me with it, <clears throat> I do want to be obedient to speak to it. And then you will remind me, out of everybody participating in this sermon today, uh, you look at all of us, but you look at me differently because I'm a teacher of your word. Un with me is a great and a more strict judgment. I know this, and I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray, his name that I preach. Amen. <clears throat> Um, Tyra's behind me to my right and uh, typically is thankful for her. Uh, this verse is a favorite of hers and of mine as well. Jeremiah is referred to as the boy prophet. Uh, started, uh, uh, became a prophet when he was about 20 years old. And you, you know in chapter 1, verse 5, there is a uh, God is showing Jeremiah that he called him even in the womb of his mom. He's also referred to as the weeping prophet, and his grief was so heavy over what was going to happen to Jerusalem and the temple that he would weep over it, known as the, known as the weeping prophet. His, uh, his prophetic preaching was for 20 years about God's future judgment that was coming. I know a lot of people have just got it today in a few months, and uh, I, I just want you to know that the, if the prophet has solidly gotten that word, it becomes a continual, uh, can be a many, uh, many, many years of preaching about uh, God's judgment. He had a great political compass uh, about where everything was politically with people who led, but he had a great godly compass, and he was able to bridge those. He preached judgment in the temple, about the temple, and it got him in prison, almost killed. Uh, he is telling in uh, chapter 32, where we are today, that judgment is coming and God tells him, uh, tells him about this. In fact, in chapter 32, God is saying what is gonna happen in the judgment. And this judgment is, uh, is uh, about Israel and about people in idolatry, meaning they, their hearts and their worship have gone to other things. Their hearts and their worship have gone to other gods. So God uh, here is gonna be presenting himself as a God of judgment and restoration. And let me spend a minute on there. Uh, in seminary, I had a, uh, one of my favorite professors was a man by the name of uh, Dr. Gerald Borchardt. Uh, just, just brilliant guy, uh, had a, uh, had a degree in law, had a degree in divinity, his master of divinity, uh, just incredible, credible man. And uh, I, uh, I know through his teaching, he said scripture is full of two things, great assurance or great warning, uh, over and over, assurance and warning, assurance and warning. And his teaching on that to us matches what you'll find even in the, in the prayer 
and the response of God with Jeremiah today that there's great judgment, but there's also great restoration. And you're going to think, well, today uh, Jeff is going to just pounce the judgment of God on America and the world and the nations. Uh, actually, it's going to be the opposite. I'm going to be preaching about God's great promise of restoration to his people. Jeremiah in this chapter is under house arrest. Uh, he has a, uh, he, the, the siege is coming. Uh, the downfall of Jerusalem is coming. But yet something is happening and his cousin, his cousin is uh, dealing with him about a land transaction. In the middle of the house arrest and all this judgment coming and the siege of Jerusalem, they're handling a situation over land. And it looks kind of strange from his cousin, but the question you have to ask is, why do you want to buy land in an area that is getting ready to be captured by another group of people, which means it, the deed won't be any good. What good would it be to buy land when somebody else is going to capture? It doesn't make sense. But in this sermon today, you're going to find out that it makes perfect sense because God is telling him to do it. It will. God is going to teach Jeremiah and us today a lesson about his character, about who the Lord is. In this verse in 3227, he says, uh, Jeremiah says, the Lord answers him by saying, behold, I am the Lord. I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? He says, I, I am God. And just, there's a, there's a pause there. I am God. Notice me. I am the creator and I am the sustainer. I need you to pay attention to who I am. Could it be that even in this verse, we've quit doing that? Uh, are you looking more on the difficulty? Are, I, I hear people saying that, you know, this is going to happen by summer and this is going to happen by fall. And you may be exactly right. But I've got to ask you, where have you fixed your eyes? Uh, the Lord is saying, notice me, look at me, Jeremiah, look at me, behold me, notice me, I am creator and sustainer, and I am the God of all flesh. I want you to know that in this verse, he separates himself from being creator and sustainer to that of flesh, meaning us. When we talk about flesh in scripture, there is this dying, there is this dying picture to us. Our flesh is dying. What does scripture say? Though the, the outward man is uh, wasting away, the inward me is being renewed day after day after day. Uh, the concept of flesh is not only dying, but also weakness, corruption, and sin. And I want to take you to Galatians uh, 5, 16, and 17 and show you this struggle between our flesh and the Spirit of God. Let's look at these two verses, 16 and 17, Galatians 5. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Listen, our flesh wants to go one way, and God's Spirit wants to lead us another. I'll show you that here in just a moment. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you don't do, 
you don't do what you want. And then let's look at all this in Galatians 5, 16 through 21. And I've just read to you uh, through verse 17. Let me begin and pick up on verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now you're going, what does the flesh do? If I'm doing fleshy stuff, what does it look like? Here, here it answers you in Galatians 5, 19. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strive, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything that is similar to this whole list. Uh, I tell you about these things in advance, as I told you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do you get the picture of the battle between the flesh and the spirit? Let me tell you something. As a pastor for 34 years, if you follow your flesh, you're going to drift away from God and you're going to drift away from his church. I'm just going to tell you that right now. And you're going, well, preacher, what are you accusing me of? I'm not accusing you of anything. I'm just the preacher. I'm not the judge. But I want to remind you that if you follow the flesh, you're going to drift and you're going to wonder how in the world did I end up where I am? You're going to think that because the flesh is, is, is weak and it is corrupt and it is sinful and it is dying. And listen, listen, when, when you're dying, there's this inward crave for you to get your bucket list done. I, I think that's true of the flesh. As my flesh is dying, there's all these things that it, that it wants to do. And remember, in the verses I gave you in Galatians 5, the flesh is always battling the spirit. Let me just give you a funny, all right? Uh, uh, I know we've been doing Trainer Joe and I've gone through some health problems and I lost a lot of weight, gained some of it back, kept, kept a lot of it off. Uh, and I'm, I'm back again doing that. And, uh, but anyway, it just becomes a constant back and forth with me. But I, I've not forgotten my promise. I've not forgotten my goal. I haven't done all that. But I just got to tell you, my flesh does not want to do this thing. Do you understand? I mean, when I'm dieting and doing the right thing, have you ever seen that commercial of IHOP pancakes that just go, that are endless? And they've got this picture of this great big fork. I've just got to tell you the truth, y'all. Man, when I'm trying to diet, that's all I see. All I see is a stack of pancakes that, I mean, they're as tall as my truck. Uh, because my flesh does not want to do that. I'm, I'm laughing. Logan's behind the camera right now just losing it. Uh, do you understand? I mean, I, I'm getting into a practical thing, and uh, I've just been reading Scripture where uh, the Scripture just says, I've got to take over that. I've got to control that. I've got to control, but it's difficult. We all know it's difficult. But do you understand? And I never think of pancakes unless I'm dieting. It's just the truth. I'm not lying. Uh, when I'm dieting, I mean, that stack is huge. Do you, do you understand? I, I want, in my spirit, I want to follow God. I want to be kingdom fit. And by gosh, if he lets me live long enough, I'm going to get there. But my point, my point in all that is, do you see how the flesh, in a real simple, even funny way, <laughs> battles the spirit? 
uh, I want you to be able to see that e even in a picture from my own life. When you follow the flesh, you're going to drift away from God. You're going to drift away from the things of God, and you're going to drift away from his church. That's just a proven that that will happen. So we've got to be led by the Spirit of God. And then he says in Jeremiah 32, 27, I am the God of all flesh, meaning I'm greater than your weakness. I'm greater than the corruption in your flesh, the sin in your flesh. Um, you may be dying, but I can make you alive more than you can ever imagine. Do you see that context there? <clears throat> he says, is there anything too difficult for me? It's a rhetorical question. You and I know there is nothing beyond God's ability. Nothing. Even in Jeremiah, this chapter, verse 17, uh, Jeremiah is already saying at the beginning of it that I know you can do anything. I know you're greater than anything. Uh, also, the interpretation of, in, in verse 27, Behold, I am, the, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh, where it says, Is there anything too difficult for me? can also mean, is there, which means there is nothing hidden from me. Now, you hang on to that because we're going to visit it right before I leave you here in just a moment. Is there anything that is hidden from me? I want you to know something. God knows what he can do. He knows. He doesn't have to think about it. He knows what he can do. He also knows what you do. And not only what you do, he also knows what you don't do. I want to go ahead and set up the ending now, even though we got a little more ways to get there. But you need to know that. Listen, it's not about me asking you who you worship, because you could flat out lie to me. But it is about who does he know that you worship. There's evidence in many Old Testament stories where the outward appearance of men showed that they worshiped God, but behind the scenes, they actually worshiped other gods. To the general public who's looking at them, they're gonna go, well, they serve the Lord. But the Lord knew that behind the closed doors, behind those secret doors, they actually worshiped somebody else. They worshiped other gods. So how do we respond to this? How do we respond to, behold, I am the Lord, sustainer, creator, the God of all flesh. I'm greater than your weakness. Is there anything too difficult for me? And I will remind you, there is nothing that is ever hidden from me. How do we respond to this? Well, I'm gonna tell you where we need to get to today, and it's the challenge. You respond with your worship. In Ephesians 3, 14 and 15, Paul said, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. He kneels before the Father. In, in this same chapter, Ephesians 3, uh, he gives a picture of us in worship and about God's greatness. It's Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. It could be a favorite of many of you all who are watching and listening today. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think or imagine, according to the power that, that works in us, not that he just has, but that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and forever and forever. Listen, when I pray 
And when I worship, I may talk about his power, but I'm going to tell you what I worship. I worship his goodness. You and I can just focus on judgment and not even give a thought about restoration. You and I can think about God's warning and never ever give a thought about his assurance. But I've got to tell you about the complete character of God in this story. How can that be? How, how can it be that I am uh, to give him my worship? How am I able to do that? Uh, I want to go back to the land situation that Jeremiah is talking to God about. Why should I buy the land of my cousin? Why should I buy the land of my cousin when some other group of people are going to take over the city and my deed will not be any good. Remember, it doesn't make any sense to buy land when somebody else is taking it and the deed won't work in their government. It won't work in their ruling. I want to take you to Jeremiah thirty-two forty-two. The Lord says, For this is what the Lord says, Just as I have brought all this great disaster, judgment, on these people, so am I about to bring on them all the good that I am promising them. I want you to see that no matter how dark it seems, God's light is always there. Why? Because He is light. I'm not going to look at the darkness. I'm going to look at the light. Yes, you and I can talk about there is judgment, but there is also restoration and there is always God's grace and we know that it is amazing grace I have I, I have in this sermon this just came from Jeff Rose came from my study but he is the God of the return he is the God of the reverse it's not that God goes in reverse it is that God is able to return and reverse anything in your life he's able to redeem it and restore it he says, is there anything too difficult for me? Is there anything that I can't reverse? One, one thing that needs to return is your worship. If we go back to Jeremiah 32, 42, he's saying, Jeremiah, keep the land, keep the deed, put it in safekeeping because I'm going to restore this place and one day that land will be yours again. One day it will, it will be rightfully back belong to who it needs to belong to. So one thing that needs to happen, and you and I need to return, is we need return to our worship. Through this pandemic, I hope your worship has increased, yes. not decreased. Because it's very easy for any of us, even those who have great spiritual disciplines, to look elsewhere. And to forget, and you need to know, he's not only a God of judgment, he's a God of restoration. He's not only a God of great warning, he is a God who is great, who has given us and is a part of great assurance. So in Luke 4, 8, this is how I end with you today. And Jesus answered him, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And in Hebrews 13, 15, therefore, through him, let us continually offer up the God, offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips that confess his name. Remember, he says, is there anything 
uh, too hard for me, too difficult for me, also can mean there is nothing that is hidden from me. It's not about who I say you worship. It's about who He says you worship. He needs to know that. And I'm asking you to return to your worship. Many of you all can say, man, God's judgment is going to be upon our nation. I don't, I don't have a problem agreeing with that whatsoever because we've turned from Him. And when you turn from Him, it doesn't make any difference what nation you are. There's judgment. But I also want to tell you, keep the deed in the jar because He is also a God of the restoration. He is also a God of great assurance. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too difficult for me? And remember, there is nothing hidden from Him. And I'm telling you, put your focus on the Lord and return to your worship of Almighty God, not just His power, but His goodness. I want you to know that I'm grateful you tuned in today. I love you and what we say always to each other, grace and peace live in both of them.